This is a new podcast series in which myself, Adam Green, my co-presenter, Meg Zhang, will be doing live PhD Viva Voces on random topics that we choose each week. The catch is... We are very drunk. We are so drunk. Each week we'll pick a drink of choice. We will be required to prepare a presentation on a topic that the other has specified in the previous week. And we will then be required to ask questions, interrogate, and make sure that this person really knows their stuff about that, about that particular topic. Now, this week is a little bit of a unique week because this week's topic was picked together and collaboratively, unlike uh, what will eventually be our coming weeks, where our presenter for this week will pick the topic for next week. The presenter for this week is the lovely... Meg Zhang. I will be judging and grading her based on her Viva defense. And I think what's really important to establish is that I'm a PhD student in English and Adam's a PhD student in computer science. And we're going to try our best to make these themes as random as possible, such that neither of us have academic experience in them. Don't expect any academic knowledge to be dropped here, okay? If you're looking for academic truth bombs, this is not the podcast for you. But I think we should begin, and I think it's only appropriate that, seeing as you're going to be presenting for the first week, you introduce the topic. What is the topic for this week? Yes, so the two of us have collectively decided that today I will be presenting 10 to 15 minutes on the Antiques Roadshow. So those two words were provided to me. It is my job to take it in the direction that I want to and to put together a coherent, argumentative, well-founded, research-based presentation, in which case my lovely partner will, you know, interject when he feels like, ask the right questions, push me along in my research. And, you know, maybe next week, maybe not, we'll uh, we'll see what kind of new findings I get. So... Uh, I think it'll be really good for us to lay out the um, the rules of, of this presentation. So I was, I was given the topic. I was told, you know what, we'll, we'll found it upon Wikipedia, but let's let's try to be a little creative about it. Let's introduce new types of evidence. <laughs> new uh, types of evidence. <laughs> yeah, I don't Ev- know. Evidence that has not previously been used in PhD defenses before. Exactly. Visions. Dreams, mysticism. I think we should crack on with the presentation without any further ado. But before we do, I think it's important that we introduce our drink of the week this week. So each of us has selected a drink for this week, uh, seeing as we are living remotely at the moment. So we are unable to drink necessarily the same drink. Uh, So Meg, what is your drink of the week? So before this recording session, I had two very, very generous glasses of uh, German Riesling. And now I am nursing a um, very, very full glass of Yellowtail Cabernet Sauvignon. And let me just preface by saying, this is not my wine of choice. My dad went to the LCBO. He he thought, you know what, I'm going to get her some red wine. It's not what I would have chosen, but it is cheap and it is plentiful, so we're making do. Notoriously posh yellow. Tail. Yeah, exactly. Australia's best. <laughs> yes, Australia's finest wine. Exactly. 
the, the massive <laughs> the vintage the vintage mm, the <laughs> notes the oaky barrel notes the, the one with the kangaroo on the bottom. exactly I am um, drinking this week Bombay Sapphire. I'm not a gin person, which is interesting. It is actually produced very close to where I live. It's li- it's produced maybe 10 minutes from where I live. Not, not Well, maybe this specific bottle. I don't know exactly where this specific bottle is produced. It's lukewarm because I'm in a very warm office at the moment. So that's introducing uh, new interesting flavours and notes to um, the alcohol experience that otherwise you uh, maybe wouldn't get if it wasn't, you know sort of an ambient 17 degrees celsius and and that's also what we really want to reiterate with our podcast is it's not just research and it's not just you know delightfully creative topics it's also with an air of desperation just a, it's a it's a dash of a, a, of desperation yes. I think. like a dash of juniper exactly anyway as i've mentioned we'll be grading meg on this performance um so Without any further ado, would you like to begin? Yes, I would love to. So let me start off by introducing the title of my lecture today. It is called Armchair Archaeology, Appraising the Antiques Roadshow in Late Stage Capitalism. What I'm going to be focusing on, let me give you a roadmap right here, is I'm going to introduce the topic Okay, I'm going to I'm going to give you a general argument, a general thesis. Then I'm going to go into the history of the BBC turned PBS show. I'm going to talk about one of the subsidiaries, one of the um, agents gone rogue, shall we say, Dr. Laurie Vanderam. I'm going to talk about the appeal of the show, and then I'm going to give an overall analysis of why this show is so popular, why we should care about it, how it figures into our um, general cultural ethos, and then I'm going to take a Q&A session. How does that sound? Boring. Boring. Perfect. Okay. So <laughs> I want to introduce this idea of armchair archaeology. You may have heard of the famously coined term armchair anthropology, this idea that a person can sit down, remove distance, and just talk about foreign people, foreign cultures, foreign ideas. Like my father. Well, you know, I feel like this is a little early to get into daddy issues, but there we go. What I'm saying is that armchair archaeology is this new idea where you kind of do the same thing. You know, you're kind of digging around in your own garage. Maybe your divorced mom's apartment. You're looking for, are those baseball cards? Is that an old doll? Is that an old china set? You know, whatever you find, is it worth any value? And how hard do you have to try? That is the ethos of the Antiques Roadshow. I want to talk about ideas of gambling. I want to talk about ideas of investment. I want to talk about ideas of the elevation, the fabrication, the generalization of value. I want to talk about fame and I want to talk about appropriation. I want to talk about monetary value versus functional use value. And of course, I want to talk about a big old F you to museums. Hell yeah. You know what? I have something valuable lying around in my shitty garage, my shitty horror mom's bungalow. That doesn't belong to any VNA exhibit. That's mine. I want to get 300 grand from that. And that is the general ethos of the Antiques Roadshow. Okay, diving into the history of the show, let me give you a premise. So, as the title suggests, it is about antiques. It's about old stuff. It's about stuff that people don't care about. And it is a road show. We take cars, we take trucks, we drive around, we're on a tour and we're going to set up convention centers, churches, outdoor tents, just 
a large grassy knoll and and we're gonna get antique appraisers and i'm gonna get into that a little bit because i think you'll find really interesting these people don't have to have any accredited value and we're gonna grab regular old joe blow average folks run of the mill they're gonna bring their stuff in they're gonna get their stuff assessed of their value and then and then we're gonna we're gonna find some really cool stuff i i do love this about the antiques roadshow because i always loved watching the antiques roadshow and they always used to go oh i think this is worth 250 pounds and then they'd go it sold for 10 quid okay well <laughs> i'm about to tell you i'm you know later on my presentation i'm gonna get into some five figures six figures seven figure items that people have just had laying about okay so what's really interesting is that i did some research on the the sort of original british antiques roadshow right which is still going on and it's been going on for 43 years which is very impressive i think and i've been doing some research on the american version which has been going on since 1997 so about 23 24 years in the uk version there are what they call expert appraisers so some of these people are what we'd like to call tenured which i know is a trigger word for us you know wannabe academics <laughs> and and they specialize in you know art history history they they assess arms and militia books and manuscripts, ceramics and glass, clocks and watches, furniture, jewelry, pictures and prints, and miscellaneous items. What's really interesting, and this is the first point of contention, I think, is that U.S. appraisers, there are about 70 of these people working at each tour stop. They are volunteers, okay? So they are not paid for their services. They are not paid for their travel expenses. They are given literally breakfast and lunch on, on a filming day. That's about it. They don't even get a fun, cool snack or dinner afterwards or drinks and a fun time. No, it's literally, you know what? Let's get you a bagel. Let's get you a tuna wrap. Okay, let's go. These these travel expenses, I've learned, they can come up to five figures. You know, people can pay up to $10,000 to, you know, go to these places and, and try their best at showing what they've got to assess the items that strangers have brought in to make it onto national television. This is insane. I, I find it very interesting. Like, I remember watching uh, the Antiques Roadshow as a kid in, in the UK, obviously. The only person I ever used to watch the Antiques Roadshow with was my grandmother, who um, notoriously smelt of cigarettes and red wine. So um, thank you for bringing that imagery back with your choice of drink tonight. Um, but I do love, um, in particularly, I, I remember this guy turning up with a blunderbust once and being like, oh, yeah, um, my dad used to use this in, like, um, Africa. Oh, sorry, my, my grandfather or my great-grandfather used to use this in Africa to hunt white rhino and stuff. I, I'm just looking back and I'm thinking, I, I love the Antiques Roadshow because it's one of those shows where nothing is acceptable that they bring in. You know, like, none of these antiques are, like, morally acceptable nowadays. Okay, well, this is the crazy thing, is that I think you could very well not even argue, but just state that anything that is brought into these um, kind of convention tents, they have zero function use value. And you know what? I looked at a Radio Times article from 2017 written by Thomas Ling, and I'm about to list off a couple of just celebrated, notorious items that were brought in and valued. The first one, the most heartwarming case, is a Banksy uh, piece of art that was valued at 400,000 pounds, okay? The happiest ending item, which is just a horrible category, was 
just a lot of sterling silver utensils that was valued at 350,000 pounds. Purely for the metalwork. I guess. And then <laughs> most valuable is this weird... I, I actually spent the morning watching this, okay? Picture this. It's two very old men. One in this tweed jacket, the other just in an Oxford shirt, and they're just looming over this weird flower vase contraption. And it's something made by Fabergé. And have you heard of Fabergé? Uh, the eggs, yes. Yeah, the, the eggs. The, the, the very, the very jewel-encrusted diamond and rubies and sapphire-encrusted eggs. Okay, well, get this. So after the Boer War, the very, you know, unsuccessful invasion led by the British... The, they kind of celebrated that event by commissioning, you know, a few of these weird flower vase contraptions that are made out of, like, pure crystal and gold and jade. And, and this thing that these two men evaluated was assessed to be worth over a million pounds. I think that's crazy. And the wildest thing is they're kind of in the middle of nowhere. They're in this small village. And then surrounding them is this circle of old British people. And I, and I kind of want to talk later about this appeal, like the demographic of the Antiques Roadshow and like what that can tell us about our culture in in just how, how we're doing, how it's going. I also want to right now talk about a few cases of fraud because of course this is bound to happen, right? Like you have people who can willingly bring things in and get things accessed and, and, and you know, make live television. You're going to get cases where people just kind of goof around or, or there's some mis- readings. Okay, the main one is this Guardian article written by Elle Hunt in 2016, where she writes about this school arts project from the 1970s, and it is this bogus, like, multi-faced jar ceramic jug thing that the appraiser valued at 50,000 USD and Mm, called it century-old and Picasso-esque. Where in reality, it was some person's high school project from the 1970s that, can I just say, was later revalued at three to $5,000. So I think you've How? done a great job. Honestly, if if I could do something in high school and get that valued... Elon Musk built this in the 70s. This is his first attempt at design and engineering. And get that valued at three $3,000. I think that's incredibly... Um, incredibly incredibly impressive so there you go okay now i want to talk a little bit about the demographics so you you've seen some of this show i've seen the canadian um, antiques road show what can we comment on on the demographic i think this is fairly obvious i I, I don't think it's a really big argument i don't want to say because i I don't want to i don't think we know our audience i hope i hope it's not the the over 70s daytime viewers okay well yeah, it's it's a lot of people with a lot of spare time, you know? That's all I'll say. Is there a lot of uh, salt and pepper haircuts? Is there a lot of is there a lot of gray hair in the audience? Yes. I think it's wild. Can I just note the amount of tweed, the amount of wrinkled leathery skin, and the way they all kind of hobble together in some weird gaggle of geriatric <laughs> decrepit no goodness holding their breath vibrating with anticipation at the value of these weird flower egg contraptions i mean you can probably just buy that on goop nowadays anyway for like 50 bucks i i'm sure that gwyneth paltrow's got 
uh, one for you to shove up one of your holes somewhere. And and more than that, all all I, all I say is is like just off the top of my head, like I mean, surely you kind of have to be old to own antiques anyway, like. I don't think antiques are something that you necessarily like possess as a young person. So unless you've gone out and actively acquired them, you know, you don't you don't necessarily possess antiques as a twenty year old normally. Especially because you know, like I know I don't possess any, any antiques because neither of my parents are dead. Heck, none of my grandparents are even dead. So so you know, like it's not exactly like I'm in possession of a, of a bunch of antiques sat in boxes. Well, I think this is the interesting thing. You know, there are on average, I think people in their sixties or seventies bringing in things you know from their like family heirlooms and stuff which kind of sucks right because you think like oh you know i'm an old person i'm gonna i'm gonna die i'm gonna pass this on to my grandkid and what do they do in like 20 years they take my prized you know collection of like comic books and then they sell it for like you know 300 bucks or something which i find a little disrespectful but you know there you go what's really interesting is that there's also folks who actively go to you know garage sales and farmers markets and you know these these antique um auctions and then they you know purchase these things that they later bring on to the antiques roadshow to get reassessed not only to get their face on television but to see if they can get any more money any more appraisal out of this which i think is wild it's, it's like um it's like a tamer version of storage wars it's like storage wars is like earlier like older older brother or something i've got i've got to acquire these items that someone doesn't really know their value of and now i'm gonna i'm gonna try and like pass them off as being worth more than what i bought them for okay because this is what i want to get into so so now that i've sort of given uh, sort of the premise the history controversies you know best of worst of of, of the show i kind of want to get into just like the weird like takeaways i guess that we can bring from this topic one being this desire to elevate the monetary value and it kind of the investment that you get out of like tchotchkes um and i and i want to bring it to this case of this woman her name is Lori verderame and she's what is known as america's appraiser which sounds as treacherous as it is right like so she is a doctor okay she does have her phd in arts history from penn state so she's probably done a defense of the antiques well there you go actually so i I found a couple articles she's written on the antiques roadshow so i'm going to share some of that but she is she is a doctor and before you like get all whoop a whoop on on you know arts history i'll have you know that i want to get my doctor in english so you got to be careful there okay what's interesting is i i've kind of combed her website this morning and i found that according to according to like what she said she has assessed over 20,000 items. And and get this, she has this weird package. You can pay 300 US dollars for quote-unquote unlimited email advice and consultation and a subscription period. So basically you pay like $300 for you to kind of just email her and like video call her about these, you know, items. And then That's, and then like I, maybe I you can you can chance getting like a better a higher value I, I should start that with my undergraduate student i should be like yeah i'll i'll, I'll appraise your code for you but it's going to cost you 300 dollars for the, for the well, next this month. is the but thing you'll get unlimited advice. yeah well this is the thing it's it's so weird right like you want like expertise and so she's going to charge you know three or four figures for like the expertise can we just bring in can we just bring in i won't bring in my degree for a second because i'm i'm, I'm a computer scientist as you've obviously already said and, and obviously part of that is mathematics so i just want to go back to that number of 20 
20,000 objects appraised, right? How, how long has she been in this game? Do you know how sort of like how, how, how old she is when she got her doctorate, roughly? Well, I think she's at the moment, she's in her late 50s, if I'm not mistaken. And so I think she's probably had her doctor for about 20 years. I don't know. But I, I mean, I don't know if she's... We'll be generous yeah. then. Let's say 20 years then. So she's appraised a thousand items a year, which means she appraises about three items a day. I don't think that's that bad. I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a bad turnaround at all. I mean, you know, I, I wish I could appraise three items like that a day. I think that's just wild. I mean, you can do video chats with her. You can email her. You can get like a formal, like online certification. You can get a written printed certification. And at any of these rates, you get charged different amounts. And what what's crazy about her, and I think I find this incredibly American, is Apparently anything that is valued under $59 is considered a free evaluation, which is, is I mean, I guess that's polite, but like, holy hell, like, I but guess this is where- considering the evaluations cost $300. I mean, I guess this is where we are in our late stage really capitalism, bargain, isn't it? Now, is like, it? oh my gosh, right? Like, uh, you know, this cool, uh, this cool painting or, you know, this cool doily set, you know, if it's not worth $59, it's not worth my time. I, I just think that's crazy. So I, I guess I want to conclude my, you know, my presentation talking about I, I'm not gonna lie, when I was doing all this research and, you know, watching these videos from, like, 2005, I kind of had an existential crisis because I was just thinking, like, you know, you know, like, all of this sentimental value or, like, all of these, like, wonderful items, they're just kind of being brought in, assessed, and then, I guess, being sold off if they're worth anything, you know, but rather who's than... who's buying them? Okay, well, there's, this is the thing. A quite, there's a, quite a huge a number industry of... around, like, working out how much they're worth and selling them, but... Who just sat down and going, oh, that looks really nice. That that like weird like elephant shaped like egg thing or something is 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 is, is delightful. I, I'm gonna buy that. I'm gonna spend like you know fifty thousand dollars on that. Well, I mean, you know, there's a number of like museums and like collections that purchase particularly you know worthwhile items, but I guess otherwise they kind of just continue to get passed around until they accrue more value. And you know that kind of breaks my heart. Doesn't that break I your suspect- heart? I suspect there's like a like a super rich version of the antiques right Oh my gosh, except it's just live people. <laughs> it's just animals. No. It's like weird flora. No, it's like a, it's like it, it's like a grading thing, right? Like some guy goes to a car boot sale and finds something at the antique uh, that he's going to peddle on Antiques Roadshow, and that gets sold off to some guy for like ten grand. But he's going off to a secret rich person's version of the Antiques Roadshow that only gets broadcast on rich people TV, and then you know. They're selling it on to like, like for like fifty grand or sixty grand, right? That's that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking like, I'm I'm thinking that it's just antiques get progressively valued as more and more for the entertainment of the wealthier and the wealthier. Well, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, like, I'm gonna conclude my presentation right now, and I mean, I'll take some like questions and stuff like that. We can have a bigger conversation about this, and I'd love to hear your ideas. You know, I just want to stress this idea of like armchair archaeology, right? Like armchair vestment and and you know this idea that you can get fame for items that you haven't even made like you don't they might not even really belong to you You could just have like purchased them you know in a in a in a garage sale in a car boot sale of some sort and now suddenly be worth millions i don't know you know in one way this is like i i was like wouldn't that be so nice right and and the way they frame these things is like oh you sir have a national treasure right or like oh my goodness this is one of a kind but it's like i don't know like it's a little sad and that's how I'll end my presentation with you know an air of pessimism because I this is the kind of uh, this is the kind of one step forward that we got to take with this 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 new podcast of ours. I I, I don't know because like as someone who is taking on the role as a professor of like uh, antiques, like I'm 
I'm, I am now, I am now, someone that's grading you would be a professor of like antiques and stuff like that. I gotta say, I don't think this makes for very good reading. I don't, I don't think I liked your report. I don't think I liked your thesis dissertation. I, okay, I, well, hang on. Let I, me just ask you, what did you like about it, huh? Well, um, I, I'll like to hear this. I'm, I'm speculating, but such a such a negative outlook on on the antiques roadshow, something that's you know brought so much fame and you know attention to our to our to our research field. You know, one of our PhD students coming out and being like, "This is total BS." I don't I don't think I can support your um your 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 your, your Viva. I don't think I can support your your PhD dissertation. I just I want to say how buck wild it is that you know there are these you know uh, 70, 80 odd appraisers that you know take place in each tour well, stop and, and they don't get them. paid. And it's I'm, just I'm, wild. Well, sir, I'm, I'm so sorry for I'm, your loss. I'm, like, oh my gosh. You know what? As someone who's part of big antiques. Yeah, big antiques. <laughs> TM, TM, TM. Yeah, we've done a lot of lobbying to keep it under wraps. How exploitative this industry is. So I I do find it offensive, you know, when you're when you're coming along and you're saying, you know, we're exploiting public service broadcasters, we're exploiting the elderly, we're exploiting our heritage in order to profit. I I I don't think that's acceptable. I, I do think it's really interesting though. You do you do bring up a really interesting point here. And I think we talk about, you know, wealth creation versus like wealth trading, right? Like, you know, this idea like, oh, you know, if I go and like build something or I go and create something or I go and invent something, I've created wealth. I've created wealth where there's no longer wealth before, right? Whereas I think obviously, you know, when you're when you're selling you know antiques, stuff like that, right, you're 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 not creating wealth, you're just moving it about, right? You're you're exchanging the wealth that's within that you know item or items or collection or whatever it is in exchange for currency and or vice versa right you know you're exchanging currency for for the wealth that's locked into that item so i do think it's really interesting this idea like you know that surely you know as more things become antiques right like you know i i imagine that when we're 70 years old we'll be sat on on um on the couch watching or you know, on the hover couch or whatever, watching Antiques Roadshow on, on virtual reality that's you know broadcast straight to our eyeballs, um, and and we'll be and, and someone will be on. They'll be like, I've got this like iPhone three G. It's the first iPhone that was ever made. You know, Steve Jobs held this one up on the stage at the at his like Cupertino offices. And, Without a doubt, that would get yeah. you know a million Universal Global yeah, exactly. World Box like, or whatever like, the Muscles. hell you know. <laughs> oh, oh, musk coins oh. dreadful name for a cryptocurrency <laughs> if, you're, if you're thinking of creating musk coins that's your try again is all i'll say but i do think that there's uh there's uh there's there's this issue of like you know, the more and more like wealth that's locked up if you will in these antiques and these uh heirloom like uh, you know it's not creating wealth it's literally just you like going like oh yeah, I found my dad's like old like Samsung Galaxy One or my like you know my dad's old like first like flat screen TV or something. What's it worth? And someone goes like, "This is a priceless find." I'm not sure what what your what the what the point of your thesis was. There, I don't know where I don't know what what defence you were trying or or what you what point you were trying to make. I felt like it was mostly an indictment of of capitalism in the scope of uh, antiques. 
um, and in, in the scope of the Antiques Roadshow. Yeah, and I'm proud of that. I'll stick by that, sir. I'm getting, I'm getting very communist vibes. And- you, you know, like everything that you're, um, you know, the lovely critique that you're giving me. You know, I completely, I'm taking that into consideration, and you know, I, I would like to say that I think my dissertation, my oral defense would have been a lot stronger had it not been for the profuse amount of wine that I have consumed. But, you know, given our certain circumstances, you know, we make with what we have. We make do with what we have. Well then, uh, Miss Yang, I'm pleased to tell you that um, as the head of antiques at Idaho... As the head of antiques? (laughs) Okay. At Idaho State University. As the head of the (laughs) antiques roadshow department at Idaho University. Um... I am going to award you a PhD That's uh, at this time. Um, so, well done. And how much would you appraise that for? Um, a PhD in art history at the Idaho well, University? No, it's not in art history. It's specifically in, in the Antiques Roadshow. In the Antiques like, Roadshow, like, yes. We're not affiliated with the art history department. Um, this show has been... This, this is a subsidiary. This department has been sponsored by PBS. Um and the BBC, it's to offer legitimacy and allow them to keep producing and broadcasting um, their respective shows. Um, we do research to support the the proliferation of uh, the sale of antiques on broadcast television, on public access broadcast television, one might say. Well, you know what, sir? I, I appreciate, I appreciate your wonderful feedback, have, and I, have, I'm very thankful. Have you thought about what you're going to go on to do now that you are an accredited mm. uh, doctor? In in our in in, in antiques roadshow from well Idaho you know State. seeing how things are going in the academic spheres I think the only wise decision is to pay that five figures go on to or become a tenured member of the antiques roadshow TM 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 uh, family and you know handle all of these lovely um, paintings clocks jewels uh, silverware baseball cards like i'm ready for it you know this is what i've built my research up for have you considered um selling your services as a consultant consulting service you know i might become the second dr Lori vanderam there you go we're, we're running low on, on, on dr Lori vanderam we do need we do need another anyway yeah well you know you know where to find me um i think we should call it that um, I I think that was a pretty solid PhD defense. Um, I you know, <laughs> I mean I've never done one, so there you go. We're getting could, good practice. We're, aren't it's we? good practice, yeah. We can we can only get better from here. Okay, so I think it's time for the final segment of this show. I think it's time to reveal what your choice of keyword is for this week. Before before you do, I would I would like to say that for for the benefit of our listeners, I have not seen this presentation before. Mm-hmm. Which may or may not show in the in the conversations that have occurred here. And more than that, I actually do not know what the keyword is for next week. And when this goes live, which I think we'll probably produce this and 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 publish this on Monday, so or Sunday today, so we'll probably see it see it live tomorrow morning or tomorrow afternoon even. I only have a week to get ready for this, so I'm excited to hear because this is what what you're about to hear is me hearing it for the first time. So what is the topic for next week, Doctor Megjang? Um, yeah, doctor in doctor the antiques roadshow at Idaho State. Okay, so you know I've been thinking long and hard about this, and I can only, you know, draw this next topic, this wonderfully um, obscure theme, based on you know the type of uh, wine that I'm consuming. So your 
your move, uh, Adam, Dr. Green. Well, no, Dr. yeah. Dr. Well, Dr. To be, you know, yeah. uh, is, uh, is burgundy. Take that as you will. That is, <laughs> that is your next burgundy. topic. <laughs> the burgundy. The, the state or the, or the, or the, um, or the color. Well, I, or the wine, I leave it to you. I mean, the, the wine is named after the, uh, is it, is it province in Canada? Is it state? Well, County? Pro- Canada. Oh, not Canada. Well, oh, my I, France. I see you have a lot of research to do. I have a lot of research to do, apparently. There you go. Anyway, uh, thank you for listening to our show. Uh, it's been a pleasure to have you. Tune in next week. Tune in. I don't, I don't know if you tune on a podcast. I, I suspect. Yeah, uh, download. Download. Press uh, play. Download and press play. Download and press play next week as I will be giving a talk on Burgundy. Potentially the province in France or potentially the uh, wine or potentially the colour. Or maybe all three. Or maybe none I'm of looking those looking forward three. to it. Maybe none of it. That's the challenge. <laughs> That's how you get innovative that, research that's, this is yeah this is it that cutting edge research